8835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. Welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. Now, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Summer from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. In today's interview episode 334, I'm on the line with none other than Robert Farrington, a millennial money expert and founder of the collegeinvestor.com, a blog that's on a mission to help millennials get out of student loan debt and start building wealth for their future. He also helps parents make smart choices about college financing options and navigate the the, the complex world of paying for school. When I asked him how he was able to grow his blog, he told me networking with other bloggers and becoming more collaborative, sharing, engaging, reaching out, eventually conferences and all that good stuff. Those are things that have a huge impact on his business and it's had a huge impact on my business. So I thought I'd get him on here to talk about how to use networking and collaborations to grow your blog. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Robert, man, how you doing? I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I am doing fantastic. Well, I love, you know, fantastic is a good place to start. Uh, Yes. (laughs) So I love that, man. I want to talk about what you have going on at your blog, thecollegeinvestor.com. But you told me right before the interview, and I had to cut myself off asking you questions because I got so excited, that you've been doing it full time for how long now? I've been doing it full time for almost six months now, and uh, but I've been doing this as a side hustle for the last nine years. Oh man! So six months full time side hustle, nine years. How is it right. going, man? As six months on your own now, it is going fantastic. It's one of those things that you know I should have probably done this two years ago, <laughs> but you can't change the past, and uh, I'm so blessed that I'm able to do this full time. Okay, so when you left your job, was it like, oh, okay, cool, you know, everything is fine. We, we don't, we don't. I have no worries. My 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 business is gonna start, you know, being awesome. No fear. What was it like for you? It was phenomenal. So I worked full time as a Target store manager. Okay. And I've been do I've been doing that for almost sixteen years. And I started this as a side hustle when I was wrapping up in college, right? Okay. And uh, you know, I just couldn't pull myself to do another holiday season in retail. And you have to understand the blog has been earning more than my day job for about two years before I left. So I felt very comfortable and confident with my business. And it was just, I really liked Target. I, I really liked who I worked with and I found the job to be pretty easy. So it was, it was hard to leave it because I had so much good going on over there, but you know, I have a family, I have two kids. Uh, the blog was taking care of everything we needed and more. So I really just, I, I couldn't bring myself to another holiday season. I just couldn't do it. So it, it I, I'm, I'm kind of curious then because you know, you're, you're working a job at target. You have this blog on the side, um, which is the college investor. I'm not seeing the direct link between the two. So let's go back. Let's I, do it. I, I want to go all the way back and tell me how you got into this whole blogging thing in the first place. 
Totally. So I started the college investor like it sounds. I was in college. I was that guy in my college class with my laptop open and I would read blogs and I was super passionate about finances. And, you know, we can go back even to when I was a teenager and I loved selling things. I loved hustling. I loved, uh, I was a video game nerd. So I loved being on the computer. I loved playing uh, games. So, you know, when I was in college, this is kind of like the intersection of all of that. I liked money and I liked computers. And so I I started this, I was reading other personal finance blogs and different things. And I was like, I could do this too. And that's really how it started is uh, one weekend I, you know, booted up a, a WordPress blog and started sharing my random thoughts about money with the world. <laughs> <laughs> so now the college investor, when I hear the college investor, I don't necessarily think about paying off student loan debt. I think about somebody that's in college and they're investing in certain things. So what was the, what was the idea behind the college investor when you got started? Well, and you nailed it, Leslie. That is exactly why I started. I was going to start this blog and I was going to share my random thoughts about what you should invest in and what I was doing and what my, my thoughts were about the market. Right. Um, and that's how it started. That was probably my first, you know, dozen articles were random things about where to invest and what tools I was using and things like that. Um, and then it encountered my own story of dealing with my student loan debt. I graduated with some student loans and, you know, I was dealing with a problem with my loan servicer where they messed up my payment. And so I wrote a blog post about my experience with that and it got really well received. There was like, you know, when I first started my blog, I was probably getting no comments and no readers. And all of a sudden I wrote this blog post about student loans and people started engaging with it. And I was like, wow, people actually like to hear this stuff. And then I started getting some comments that was like, Robert, that's great. We love investing. We want to start, but I also have all the student loan debt and I don't know what to do. Um, and so I really started writing more about student loans and how to balance the two. And, and that's how it's kind of grown since then. So, okay. So uh, you're hearing from these people. They want to hear more about the, uh, the, the student loan stuff. Your, your site's name is the college investor. Do you think to yourself, oh, okay, sweet. I'll just switch what I talk about. Or do you go through this thing of, uh, wait, but is this who I am? It's the, the purpose of this is investing. And what's going through your mind at that time? You know, at that time, I had no idea what I was doing. And so none of that went through my mind. But honestly, after doing it for about five years, and I had a, a lot of content and a lot of investing content, a lot of student loan time, I really had that battle. I, I didn't know if I should rebrand, if I should split the site into multiple. And I got a lot of good advice from, uh, you know, some, some mastermind peers and stuff. And it was like, honestly, how many people really care of what your site name is? A lot of people are going to Google a topic and they're going to find your site, or they're going to see a post on social media they like and they're going to read the site. You know, it's very few people that pay attention to the URL. And so I kind of have just taken that model and just ignored it. And I'm just going to keep writing great content around, uh, around the whole entire theme. Uh, but I'm not going to worry so much about the name College Investor. So, so what I'm loving about this is, you know, a lot of us, we create, we start our blogs and we just start creating content because this is what we want to talk about. You know, I want to talk about pets. I want to talk about uh, 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 starting a blog. I want to talk about DIY. I want to talk about whatever I'm passionate about, but we don't really listen to our yeah. audience and get that feedback. And it sounds to me like that was a big part of your process, understanding, coming to understand what the people that were following your blog, what they wanted, and then kind of switching to serve them more than just you having this place where you could just share what you wanted to share from the beginning. 
Absolutely. And I think you can see that progression. If you were like dig through my archives, like the first two years of my site, I would say is 90% me, maybe 10% my readers. And guess what? I had like zero traction. <laughs> and as that shifted and changed more to reader focus, and now today it's probably 90% reader focus, 10% still random stuff I want to talk about because it's my site. But um, the blog traction, the engagement, the traffic, all of that has just grown exponentially as I've made that shift. Oh man, that is awesome. Okay, so you started this blog. Let let's set a, a time frame for this. So when did you start yep. the blog? I started the blog in the, I think September of 2009 is when I started it. Okay, September of 2009. You're in college yep. at this time. When did you finish college? Right there. That was my I was wrapping it up at the very end of school right there. Ah, very interesting. Okay, so th now it makes sense because obviously you're paying back the student loans or you're dealing mm -hmm. with the student loans at least. Um, yep. And you're talking about this experience on your blog. It's resonating with the people that are there and you s decide. Now, the, the, the change in focus, was it kind of like a, all right, this is what they want. I'm switching immediately or was it a gradual shift over time? Totally a gradual shift. Okay. So it was still, I would just sprinkle in more student loan content. Um, every time, like, I would maybe have an update. I think I updated my first post like three times and kind of sharing how that, <laughs> that story was progressing. Um, but totally a gradual, gradual shift there. Okay. And in the beginning, how did you start to get people to even come to your blog? Honestly, nobody came to my blog <laughs> for the first like two years. And I'm, I'm not even joking with that. It's my mom, my friends, um, you know, and it definitely had to do. I got a little bit of search traffic, but I'm talking like maybe like, you know, 100 visitors a day. Nothing crazy. And it really took a couple years um, for me to figure that out. And that's really came from networking and finally reaching out to others and connecting and learning what I should actually be doing. OK, so I'm 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 loving this because, you know, a lot of people. Um, have a similar situation where they start a blog and you know they hear they gotta create this great content they create this great content they do all kinds of stuff and they get no one there I'm 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 wondering why did you continue I mean because you're two years in and it's not doing what you wanted to do at this point I'm gonna assume Totally. Well, you have to remember, too, though, I started it because I was passionate about it. So ah. it definitely was an intersection of my. Um, so I'm working this job in retail. Right. And I like my job. Don't get me wrong there. But like my hobbies included computers and money. And so this blog was kind of like the culmination of like what I was enjoying and passionate about. And so it definitely was like the passion project, the side hustle that, uh, you know, I would just do from time to time. Got it. I, I love that because, you know, and that's one of the things that I always tell people, if you choose something that you're passionate about, even when things aren't going the best, uh, yeah. you could still kind of fight your way through it because, hey, you're having fun. You're doing something that you love. So I absolutely love that that's the way that you, you went about it. So first two years, no traffic. Were you, were, but were you actually doing things to try to get traffic at this point or you just weren't? You didn't know I, what you were doing at all. I didn't know. I literally, I'll put it, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing at all, but I was creating content. And I will okay. say that I was probably writing about five to 10 articles a month. Okay. Uh, you know, so not a ton. And they were very short. I mean, if you go back to blogging in 2009, I mean, this was like the, you know, 150 to 300 word post was all you needed. Um, and it was terrible content, man. If you go back <laughs> through my archives, like when you say creating the best content, that was not it. But <laughs> it was there, it was out there in the world, and I was doing something. All right. You were doing something all right two years in you you started shifting a little bit and 
how did you start to get because you said when you started talking about this other stuff uh you started getting more feedback so how did you actually start getting some traction in terms of people coming to the blog Totally. So I would still start reading other, I was still reading a lot of other personal finance blogs was something I was passionate about. And I started seeing a lot of these other bloggers having uh, a thing on their site called the Yakezi Network. And it was personal finance bloggers that were kind of helping each other and working together. And um, probably about a half dozen of blogs that I would normally read had this. So I clicked on it and they had a forum and it was really just other personal finance bloggers that were talking about blogging. And I was just mind blown. Right. I was like, wow, these are other people that I've read for so long and they were just sharing what they've been learning and talking and asking questions and answering questions. And so I just started reading up and I I started like, wow, so if I, you know, I should make sure I have all my social profiles and I should comment on other blogs and engage with them. And, And sadly, I mean, these were like things that I was just learning for the first time and it was it was game changing for me. Uh, so you said it's the Akazi Network. Is is that some one that's still around, or I think I mean I think the site's still around. Definitely okay. not very used anymore. Um, there's other cool things in the personal finance space that have done similar things. So gotcha. there's FinCon, which is a conference, yep. and they have a cool Facebook group. And then there's uh, Rockstar Finance, which is uh, you know it's a it's an aggregator of different blogs, but they have some forums as well. Um, but it's the same kind of thing is basically I found other bloggers that were doing what I was doing and I just started listening and learning and engaging a little bit, um, from a blogger to blogger perspective. And that was, it was huge. Gotcha. Okay. So just to, just to make sure I have it right for the show notes, a Casey network. How do you spell that? Y a K. Okay. E-Z-I-E dot com. <laughs> okay, your KZ network of bloggers. All right. So now you're 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 you find these communities online and you're seeing people talking about blogging and you know how they're doing it. You're learning about setting up your social profiles, commenting on other blogs and some of that basic stuff. Um, and where does it go from there? And that just starts getting more traction and stuff to my site. So I would start commenting on their sites. What do you know? They start linking and sharing and commenting my stuff and my traffic really actually starts growing. And it's, it's so cool to see that, you know, you know, you go from a hundred a day to 200 visitors a day and you're like, wow, all of a sudden <laughs> I've doubled my traffic. And yes, it was other bloggers, but it was really like heartwarming to, even if they would leave a comment and it said something like, Hey, I really liked your article. Like keep it up. Like it was motivating to have someone that maybe you've read for a while, leave a comment on your site that was actually meaningful. It was huge. I, I love that. Okay. So a lot of people hear that, Hey, you need to go out there and connect with other bloggers, do some networking, maybe some collaboration, uh, maybe attend events and all these different types of things. Uh, but they are still kind of in a place where they're wondering, man, I, okay, that sounds nice, but I have no idea where to even start. Yeah. How do we, how do we start that journey? Let's talk about the starting and we'll talk about how that journey progressed for you to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll tell you, there was two parts of it. Um, the Yakizi Network had this challenge, and it, it was, uh, it's, I think it's called the Yakizi Blogger Challenge. And if you wanted to be a successful blogger, and I still take these rules to heart, it's like the number one piece of advice I have. You have to do a couple things. One, if you write three pieces of content per week for a year, that sounds like a lot, but you're already ahead of 99% of other bloggers. 
you know, just, just statistics, right? The second thing is go out and engage and leave a comment and share three other bloggers things every day. And if you go out and do that, and it sounds like a lot, and it, it kind of is, but all of a sudden you are getting out there, you're sharing other people's stuff, and they'll see that, right? Every if you've been blogging for a while, you know you can see who shares your, you know, tweets and who mentions you and who shares your Facebook posts. And if you're leaving comments on their site, like you're gonna get your name out there. And it's not necessarily it's one of those things that doesn't happen on day one. Like you leave that first comment on a site, I guarantee you you're probably not gonna get a response. But if you start commenting on that blog, site once a week every week for a month or two the guy's gonna know who you are because especially if you're leaving like valuable comments it's just naturally gonna happen and then if he sees something that you wrote because you're publishing consistently and they like it you might get shared it might get picked up it's definitely a long term it's not a quick thing but it builds a much more solid foundation for future relationships okay that's that's powerful because a lot of people talk about block commenting and you think uh, that can't really do much or maybe it might get me on the uh, uh, i might be a blip on the radar or or maybe i can connect with that one blogger but i think what a lot of us do and when i say a lot of us myself included is that in the commenting on the other blogs and trying to connect with these people, it's kind of random. You know, this this month, I might do it once. And yeah. then in three months, I might do it four times or something along those lines. But what, you, what, you're, what you're suggesting here is a very kind of meticulous or a strategic way of doing that consistently to get more than, to be more than just a blip on the radar, but to kind of nurture those connections and provide those opportunities for other people to find out about what you're doing. So I really like that. Absolutely. Because see, here's the thing, Leslie, you and how your style and, and I do the same thing, but that's what 95% of people do. They're so inconsistent and all over the place. So yeah. if you're the not, you're the consistent one, you're going to get noticed. And I also want to say, don't be like spammy and self-promotional. Like don't go in there and say like, you know, great article. I think you'd really like mine too. And like, leave a link. Like that's not going <laughs> to get you anywhere. You might even get marked as spam and no one's going to read that. But if you leave an insightful comment, that's a hundred percent self like you are focused on their content you're focused on what you just read like do that five times and i guarantee you you're going to have their attention i i love that and you know you're talking about those random comments of hey great post going <laughs> like mine I, just before i got on this call i was just marking spam on a bunch of those so i completely get what you're saying so yep. you you would recommend okay f obviously creating that consistent content in this situation you're, you're suggesting maybe three pieces of content a week and right. do, do that for a year. I mean, when I hear that, I think to myself, man, that's a lot. That's like a serious challenge. Um, it is a challenge because, you know, but but all of a sudden by completing that, you, you address a few things. One, like I said, you're ahead of everybody else that's out there blogging because most blogs fizzle out after a month or two. Uh, they don't have content that continues. Two, you've just proven to yourself you can do it. And if you can do it for a year, you can do it for longer than a year. And then number three is if you're a reader or you're trying to get these people to come to your site, like they want to see fresh content. Like it doesn't do any good if you're only writing one article a month, because if you're trying to do this strategy of going out and commenting and sharing other people's stuff, inevitably people are going to come to your site. And if there's nothing new there for them to look at, well, they're just going to bounce and head out of there. Uh, you know, I love it. I love the challenge. And I'm going to I'm going to ask you, the listener, if you're going to take Robert up on this challenge, come to the, the, the podcast, the show notes for this episode, becomeablogger.com slash 
3-3-4 and let us know because I'm curious to see who's going to take that this seriously. Uh, now, secondly, you spoke about the, you know, you know, picking some other blogs and going out, engaged, leaving comments and so on. Uh, when you did this in the beginning, did you have a specific number of blogs that you remember following or was it just you had a bunch of bloggers that you knew were doing really interesting things? How, how was that for you? That's what it was. So I started with the other bloggers in my space. So, you know, they were in that Yakizi network. I would see their forum posts. I would go to their sites. I would read them because everyone had their link in the forum and it was just easy to click through. Um, and then, you know, I also just started finding bloggers that I enjoyed. So as I was going through Twitter and, and I was like following others, like I'd see posts come up and there was a few bloggers that, I mean, even to this day, like write consistently phenomenal content and they're enjoyable to read, um, which I think is, it's a huge part of it. And that's what I I love to share. I love to leave a comment on because it was genuinely good stuff. Gotcha. Now, how do you find, how did you find this community, this online community in your niche? I know it's a basic question, but a lot of bloggers have no idea how they're going to find these kinds of places. So how did you find it? And so I had, my, mine was very easy as these bloggers had a little like icon banner in their sidebar that said they were a part of it. And that was cool. Um, but you know, I, I would suggest for other bloggers that don't have something as easy as just go out and Google it. Who's writing stuff in your space. Every single niche, every single space has other people in it. They might not be bloggers these days too. They could be YouTubers or Instagrammers or, you know, they might be on medium or a different platform than say just a WordPress blog, but they're out there. And you know, if you can go and just search for them and start finding their content, the same rules apply. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's a blog. It just matters that they're creating good content. They're creating content in your space and putting it out there into the world. Exactly. All right. I absolutely love that. So challenge number one. No, well, these are two challenges. We're going to call this. Uh, well, what, I don't care what we call it, but <laughs> number we'll one. Call it the blogging challenge. The I blogging challenge. All right. The go. blogging challenge. Number one, create consistent content. Whether, whether you decide it's going to be three times a week or twice a week or whatever the case might be, do that consistently for a year. And number two, Find a bunch of other bloggers or YouTubers, Instagrammers, mediumers. Do we call them mediumers? Whatever you want to call them uh, in your space and comment, share three on uh, uh, three pieces of content from those people in that space on a daily basis. I love that. OK. Yeah. So I, I, I see that as a good place to start. You have no audience. You have no network. You have no. And even if you do. But let's say you are a beginning blogger and you don't really have many of those connections. That's a great place to start. Where do we yep. go from there? Where did you go from there? Well, that's, you know, that was the biggest thing is, you know, I started doing that. And uh, I, I want to share one thing I learned, though, before where we go from there okay. is you're going to get rejected. You're not going to get rejected, but you're going to hear the silence a lot, uh, especially if you're trying to start with big blogs. So I, I want to challenge you too, as you're doing this challenge is don't ignore the small people in the world that are starting out just like mm. you are, because the big blogs, like, you know, you're going to go on, you know, Leslie's blog here, or you're going to go on pro blogger, right? Like these big blogs that have been doing it for so long, you might get lost. The same rules apply. And if you do it consistently, I guarantee you it'll work. But if you start commenting on peer blogs that are just starting out, 
man, that goes along. It goes a long way. And you know, their relationship in terms of like, if they tweet your stuff, it's only going to go to 50 people who cares about that. Don't, you're not trying to do it for that because that same blogger in two years might be the next pro blogger of the world. And you have this relationship from when you both started out that could be so much more fruitful than anything you could ever get from trying to, you know, solicit some big blogger. You know, I love that because you're growing together. It's not right. it's not a I mean, it's great if you get, you know, recognized by a bigger blogger, but mm-hmm. even if they're a smaller blogger, they still have value um, to provide and you can provide them with value and you're kind of on this journey together. And I find those relationships uh, really go along with some of the people that I am really tight with today are the people that started when I started when we had when none of us had an audience. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's, and it's, it's the same here. It's the same here. Exactly. And so if you can find those other people that are just starting out too, um, go network with them. And I think you'll even, you'll find the value to be like infinitely better. I love it. I love it. And I love the consistency behind what you're proposing here. So sweet. Let, let, let's move on to some more because I know it, yeah. it, it didn't just stop there for you. You did different levels of networking and collaborations and so on. So let's talk a little more about where you went from there. Yeah, so I think the next step for me was honestly kind of stepping it up to in person. Um, as I started networking on these and sharing these, I started hearing about this event called FinCon. I think it was the Financial Blogger Conference back then, yep. but all these bloggers were just getting together. And uh, as PT, he's the founder of it, said, he's like, I just wanted to hang out with my friends. And this just sounded fun. And so I booked myself a ticket, and St. Louis was my first one. And it was an investment. Um, you know, I had a hotel, I, I'm flying from San Diego. Uh, I had to buy the conference pass, which that was, you know, luckily pretty reasonable, but I made it there and man, like that was huge for me. Huge. Oh man. I, I, I hear you on the, the in-person event. No. Okay. You're, you're already connecting with these people online. What's the significance to you? I mean, I know what it is for me, but to you, what's the significance of going to one of these events when, you know, if I want to talk to you, I could tweet at you. I could I could send you a Facebook message. We could get on Skype and all that stuff. Why spend all this money to go out of town and book a hotel and all that stuff? Why? What? Why is that significant for you? I mean, for me, there was a few aspects of it. I mean, the networking was huge. I don't know. There's something very different about an in-person relationship versus um, something that you have online. And it's, it's even cooler when you've had this online social media thing, right? You're tweeting each other's stuff and you're sharing on Facebook and maybe you write some comments to each other. But then seeing that person in, in, in a conference, like you're walking down the hallway and you're like, hey, like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting to meet in person. Um, it really just, it's cement. Like it just, you know, holds things together in such a better way. And I found the dialogues and conversations and, you know, you don't even know what questions to ask unless you're having that conversation and things just come up. And I found that to be huge. Oh man. I, I 100% <laughs> agree with you. When I, th- honestly, when I think about most of the opportunities that have come in my business and most of the big things that I've done, I can almost always tie them back to an in-person relationship at a conference. Absolutely. Like I said, you you just don't know what you don't know. And what you see online isn't always what's happening in real life. And 
you know, the best relationships I have is, uh, you know, like just you're sitting at a, a bar after the, all the sessions are over and you're just having drinks and some hors d'oeuvres and you're just talking about life and business and everything else. And, and great things just come of that every single time. Everything else. I don't even know what to say. That's that's been huge. <laughs> you, you, know, know? You, know, you know what I find to be very interesting uh, about those types of things is the, the, the biggest, the strongest relationships that I've found at these events were where we weren't really discussing business and blogging. We were talking about family or something that we just enjoy doing. And yep. the relationship kind of evolved from there to where, hey, we decide, hey, let's do this thing together, this project or uh, this affiliate promotion or or I come and speak at your event or you know, all of these different opportunities, landing coaching clients and all that kind of stuff. It, it happens a lot when you're just having these casual conversations at a restaurant or out at one of the networking events or something along those lines. Do you find the same thing? Absolutely. Because you just, like I said, you don't know what you don't know, but all of a sudden you guys, you find that you both have kids and you both enjoy whatever hobby. And it's like you form these really cool relationships that go so far beyond business. And then you just kind of know, I like working with that person. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I think we jive and, you know, we're, we're aligned in our values and our goals. And you can't get that really from social media. As great as social media is, it doesn't help you figure out that alignment. All right, so I am new to this whole networking thing. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little shy. I've never yeah. been at one of these events. I want for Robert right now to give me some of his best conference networking tips and go. So I am the most shy, introverted person you would ever meet at a conference. I get so overwhelmed at most conferences, Leslie, that I have to take a nap. Most people don't. Some people huh, know this okay. about me, but I sneak out of a conference about two o'clock in the afternoon and nap because otherwise I would fall into like, you know, this trap of just shutting down. So don't be afraid to take care of yourself at these conferences. But my biggest tip really is go out and say hi to everybody. Just say, hi, I'm Robert. And, uh, you know, what do you do? And just start talking. You don't know who these people are. I don't know who half the people are. Uh, you know, you just got to strike up a conversation. I think just saying hi and your name is a great place to start. And it sounds so basic, but I think a lot of people skip that part. So I'm like somewhere in between, right? I don't know if I'm an introverted extrovert or an extroverted <laughs> introvert. I'm somewhere along the line, uh, somewhere in the middle there. Um, but I find personally, and a lot of people will be surprised to hear this, but that initial high thing that you just spoke about, that yeah. sometimes is nerve wracking for me. Sure. And, and it's kind of like sometimes I just have to kind of throw myself into the high without thinking about it because once it's out there, stuff has to follow. <laughs> yeah, you can't take it back, right? You, you know what? And if you find that hard, like start the con start the conversation well before you get there. Like tweet them, hey, you know, I saw that you're going to be at FinCon or I saw you're going to be at Social Media Marketing World or whatever the conference is. It's like I'd love to connect if we see each other, um, you know. And you can keep it so simple like that. But then when that high comes, it's like, hey, I'm glad we actually ran into each other, or I'm glad we were actually able to connect, you know. And you can really start facilitating things that way. I love I love that one tip because I think that's a big deal. It's easy 
easy to connect with people. It's easy to kind of start that initial dialogue where you're just sending a message, right? And then yeah, you, it's online. It you don't is. have to like worry about it. Like exactly. And then when you reach there, you have that point of contact, right? You you've already yep. initiated it beforehand, so now it's a little easier to do it. Yep, exactly. All right. So um, yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, you know, always try to go to lunch and dinner with people at the event. Uh, you know, I think that's huge. Whether you sit down at a table with some people you don't know if lunch is provided or try to go out to dinner with them. But that's how you can start getting this more intimate um you know, conversations going on besides what you have happening in the hallways. And and do you recommend like I don't know how you do this, but do you recommend like going out with big groups, small groups, one person? Does it matter? I have never found it to matter if especially if you're new. When I was new, uh, if anyone was taking me up on the opportunity, I didn't care if I was going with twenty other people because you're still gonna sit next to somebody. Yeah, yeah. And if all you get at the conversation or you know, dinner is you're sitting with somebody and you can build one relationship that's worth it, you know? Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. I think for me, what I do is I focus on those individual relationships, whether it's in a big group or a small group. I always find myself gravitating or someone gravitates towards me and we end up having a conversation that goes way longer than I expected it to, to go. And mm -hmm. really awesome things have come from that. Totally. And I would say for me, when I go to conferences too, if you're in those conversations that are going way longer than they should – keep them going. Don't necessarily feel like you have to go to a session or something at one of these conferences. I know you're paying for your ticket, but that networking time is invaluable. And I would say at most conferences these days, sessions are recorded and you can always go find that stuff later, but you can't put down that conversation if you guys are just having a great time talking in the hallway. Confession, I don't remember the last time I've been to a session. <laughs> I, I'm with you, right? I think the last session I went to was one I was giving. <laughs> I, I know I went to one um, last year and I went there just to support a friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it's all about the networking, so I love that. Yeah, exactly. So those connections that go a long way and then follow up. I would say the last thing that I think a lot of people forget to do is to follow up after the conference or events over. Like you had great conversations, maybe you made a connection, but you know, even if it's not like a business arrangement or anything that you're trying to put together, just follow up and say, Hey, I loved connecting with you at the, the conference. Like it was so great to chat with you. Is there anything I could share for you on social media or, you know, is there anything you're working on that I could help you with? Like, it's just super, you know, it, it, I think it really says a lot about you if you're that person that follows up, because I would say maybe one in 10 people actually follow up with me after an event. Yeah, I, I love that. And that is one place that I am not very good at. Uh, when I say I'm not very good at it, I, you know, I, I often find myself coming back to after a crazy event and just diving back into work and catching up and all that kind of stuff and forgetting to follow up with some people. This last uh, event that I went to, I was uh, way more intentional. And while my follow up came a little delayed, I was able to do a lot more of it. And some really cool things have happened as a result of the follow the follow up. So I highly encourage you to make that a huge priority. Yeah, follow-up is huge. And one of my tips is I actually really like traveling to events uh, versus having them in my hometown because I take advantage of that airplane ride. Um, you know, having like two, three hours of like uninterrupted time, uh, you know, airplane Wi-Fi is kind of spotty. So like just getting out, writing notes of who I met, putting it in Evernote and like, what do I want to follow up with? Do I want to send them an email? Like, what does that look like? And I really like spend that time after a conference and event to like just recap my thoughts and 
get them all down on paper because I'm like you. Once I hit get home and get back into the daily grind, like it's hard to sometimes follow up on stuff. I love that. I'm gonna have to add that to my list of things to do when I'm leaving, <laughs> when I'm flying away from the events. So yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm glad you share that. Okay, so we have some tips for um, uh, online networking, starting with you know just commenting on people's blogs and connecting with them on whatever platform they are they are creating content on. We have some tips for stepping it up to in person by attending these conference. Are there any other types of networking slash collaborations that you've done that have helped you grow your blog? Yeah, I would say the last one I think we forget a lot about is connecting with the media. Mm. So networking for me also involves building those media relationships. And, you know, I, I love Haro, Help a Reporter Out, um, where journalists and different things are looking for experts to quote in stories. And if you are in your niche, whatever that niche happens to be, maybe that's you. And you could respond to these journalists. And, you know, if they use your quote, not only do you get the exposure of being in, in you know, media, you could be on the in anything from the New York Times to, you know, a random, you know, article somewhere, which everything helps. But two, if you are a, you can start building a relationship with that journalist because chances are they're going to have stories all the time, right? And when you're a journalist, you're under deadlines and you're trying to get things done. And if you could be that guy or gal that is quick to respond, is always available, you could start building a connection with that journalist and she or he will start helping you get exposure out in, outside of your niche, really. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about this because this is something that I experimented with a while back. I didn't do it consistently. Um, is it something you're still doing, first of all? Oh, my gosh, yes. So help a reporter out and following up with journalists is probably the biggest uh, growth factor in my site today. Um, getting media mentions, I think, is huge. Um, and it does a lot for you as a blogger. I think whether or not you get a link back, I think Google knows. They, they know your, it picks up your name and it, it puts everything together for it in the back. Back end. Um, a lot of times you do get links, you do get traffic. I think it's huge to tweet that exposure to your own audience to build credibility. So every time I get mentioned, I try to share that with my audience to say like, hey, I'm in the New York Times or hey, I'm in Money Magazine, um, just so that my audience like is like, okay, he's still got credibility. He still knows what he's talking about. And I think it goes, you could use it in so many different ways. Okay. So what kind of bloggers should be focusing on Harrow? Is it for every blogger or is it oh for gosh, specific it's types? For every blog. Every blogger, because there's always somebody writing a story about something. And, uh, you know, money stories do well, uh, seasonal stories do well, like and that's out there. But I see there's like industry journals and there's different websites that writers are looking for people to, to cite and quote. Like I found pretty much every industry that you can imagine. There are somebody, some journalist, some reporter, some writer is out there looking for sources. And it might not, you know, if you're a pretty niche industry, it could be you know, fewer and farther between. But if you're also one of the only people in that niche, like it could be a natural connection that you guys hit it off and do things more together. All right. So now we're convinced that we should be using this Harrow help a reporter out. Explain to us how we go about doing this and doing it well. 
Yeah. So when you sign up, you will get a daily or three times a day email. And there's like, I think this morning's when I looked at it, I mean, there was like over like 50 different inquiries uh, of journalists looking for different, you know, quotes for a story. And the trick is to answer the journalist's question, give them everything that they could possibly want in that email, make their jobs so easy that they could like cut and copy and paste, put it in their story and be done with it. Um, I also, for my own site, sometimes I source for quotes and I get so many junk responses. It's like, Hey, I'd love to be in your story. Like email me back and let me know what I could do for you. When it's like, I already put everything in the, you know, the pitch. So give me everything. Let me copy and paste it. And then uh, I will connect with you after and say like, Hey, it's live. Here's like a link, all this kind of stuff. But just think if you're a journalist and you're under a deadline, like how can you make it as easy as possible for them? Give them everything that they could possibly want and more make it easy. And and when you sign up for this service, do you select specific industries? How does that work? You do. There's a, I mean, and there's like a general list um, that has like everything on it. And I usually do that one because sometimes people don't put things in the right spots. Uh, but, you know, you can also sub it down. There's business and finance, there's education, there's family, there's, uh, you know, industry. There's a whole bunch of different subheadings that you could just follow those if you don't want email overwhelm. Okay, cool. So you sign up, you get these emails, um, you, you kind of scan through it to see if anything is relevant uh, to you. And if you find certain things that are relevant, you respond quickly. What is quickly in this context? Within the first four hours, I would say, is what you should shoot for. Because beyond that, I guarantee you that there's other people that have responded. And just naturally, they're probably going to get you know, first divs. Because if you're farther down in the email chain, like people are just going through their inbox and you're not going to get as much attention. Now, that's not to say, once again, if you're in more of a niche industry or you are the expert in whatever that subject is, it could still work to respond a day later or so. But I would shoot for that first four hours if you can. Gotcha. And does it go out at the exact same time every day so that you can plan, okay, at this time I'm going to be checking this email or is it kind of random? No, it does. I think it goes out at like, I couldn't tell you because I'm on the West Coast, but I think it goes out at like 3 a.m. Eastern time for the morning one. There's like a noon one that goes out around 10 and there's like an afternoon one that comes in like, I don't know, three or four in the afternoon. Got it. I absolutely love that. So we have our, you know, um, simple co- uh, connecting with people online. We have our networking in person. We have our networking and connecting with the media. Now I'm just curious to kind of wrap this up. What are some of the, what are some of the interesting things that have happened to you as a result of whichever types of networking uh, you are talking about? Are there specific things that you remember as, hey, this is a benefit to doing this stuff like I've done it? Yeah. I mean, I would tell you besides like my blog has grown exponentially from like hundreds of visitors today to, you know, we get over, I think in February we had almost 3 million page views that month. So you get growth. Uh, I've gotten speaking engagements. I've gotten paid gigs from this. I've had speakers that, uh, you know, businesses that have seen me speak because I was friends with the, you know, or made network connections and became friends with the, you know, person hosting the event. A business saw me, they wanted to pay me and hire me. I've, you know, made infinite brand connections, which have grown my business. I, you know, it, the net list goes on and on. I've been in pretty much every major publication. Um, I've been on the news. I've been on TV news. I've been on radio news. 
all that through all these different connections. Like it, it really can propel your business, uh, but it's a long game. Like none of this happened overnight. Like we said at the beginning, I've been doing this nine years. Uh, I didn't know anything about this for the first two years, but as you foster these relationships, I like it, starting with these bloggers in the Yakezi network, I'm still connected with so many of them and we help each other and we talk to each other and we'll email each other. And I'm in a mastermind group with a couple of them. And you know, it, it's really cool that, you know, these same connections exist nine years, seven years later, you know? I absolutely love it. Now, you guys just wrapped up um, something on your site, the Student Loan Debt Movement. Can you uh, mention that? Put a plug in there for that or something. Yeah, so studentloandebtmovement.com. And this is here's this is the perfect power of networking. So I've had this audacious goal in my mind for, I don't know, three years. And it was how much student loan debt could I get my audience to pay off in one month? And I was like, could I say like a million dollars? But then, you know, as, you're, as I'm putting this together, and you probably felt this too, Leslie, uh, like, oh my God, I don't want to put too big of a number because what if I <laughs> fail and I don't reach it? And so it was one of these things that has sat in my back burner for so long. And finally, my mastermind peers were like, you just need to do this, like get out there and do it, but we will help you. And so one aspect of this campaign was, could I get a bunch of other bloggers to write and promote my movement and like write an article, how student loan debt impacted them and share the movement. And I had so much community support that we had over 3,400 people join the student loan debt movement. And we paid off $1.4 million in student loans during the month of March. Right. And I had 40, I think I had over 40 different bloggers write an article about it. I had several YouTubers mention it. I had several Facebook groups. They shared it in their huge Facebook groups to get people to come. I had YouTubers that participated. It was so overwhelming. And that was all due to the power of the network around me um, and different people that were willing to support and help with my goal. Dude, how does, I mean, okay, six months into doing this thing full time. And of course you'd been doing it for a while. But yeah. I, I have to imagine, how did it feel? Because one, when I hear $1.4 million in student debt, uh, student loan debt payoff, I think to myself, man, that is huge. And the, you, you're creating this content, putting it out there, and now so many people are, you know, in so much less debt. How does it feel to you, man? It, it feels great. I'll tell you that it was a very stressful month. <laughs> come April, April 1st, because, you know, it was like one of those things, like I put it out in the world, yeah, I'm committed, yeah. and then I worked hard for 30 days at this thing. And then, you know, April 1st, I was like, that was pretty cool. Like it was, it was awesome to see the success about it. And uh, honestly, I think I would say I would put a 80% of that success on the power of networking and everybody else that, you know, was willing to help me with this movement and chip in whether it was content or social shares or promoting it to their audiences like that would have never happened without networking dude i absolutely love it and if people want to hear more about what you got going on where should we send them you can go to thecollegeinvestor.com, or if you hate to read, you can listen to me on the College Investor Audio Show, where we convert our blog post into a small, digestible audio format. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for coming on here and killing it, man. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. All right, guys, you want to go and check him out, head on over to thecollegeinvestor.com. I know you got value from this episode, and if you forgot anything or you're driving your car, you don't want to take notes, it's all good. We got you covered. Head on over to becomeablogger.com slash 334 and it'll all be there. Hey, one other simple call to action for you. If you want to take your blogging business to the next level, you want to be coached by me, I want to invite you to check out the Become a Blogger Coaching Club 
unlike any other blog training program out there because in addition to all the great training I have on how to build a business with a blog, you also get direct access to me to answer your blogging questions about how to build your blog and your business. If there's anything you're struggling with, go in there and ask it and you'll get a video response showing you exactly what to do screen by screen, turn by turn, concept by concept. Check it out at bloggercoaching.com. That's bloggercoaching.com. Dot com. But that's it for now. This is Leslie Summer here from becomeablogger.com where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And until next time, take care and God bless.